2: Alaysha Dubey. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. For today's show, Be The Star You Are wants to thank everyone who's volunteered and supported BTSYA over the years. We're thrilled to be serving the world, and if you'd like to help us celebrate being a top nonprofit with a donation, please visit www.btsy.com. Every dollar counts, and we will use the funds for our outreach programs. Make sure to listen to Express Yourself, wherever you listen to radio or music. iTunes, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. We broadcast from the Empowerment Channel on Voice America Radio, the largest radio network in the world. I'm Sharania, and today I'm going to be
3: co-hosting with Ruhani. Hello, everyone. Today's show is all about energy and healing. In the second segment, we will be interviewing Betsy Chase, an award-winning filmmaker, author, and educator who is an expert on energy healing. In the third segment, we will be talking to Hannah about her thoughts on energy and healing. And right now, Sharanya and I will be talking about our take on today's topic. Hi again.
2: So, Um, The definition of energy healing is holistic practice that activates the body's subtle energy systems to remove any blocks. By breaking through these energetic blocks, the body's inherent
3: ability to heal itself is stimulated. Learning about this is actually really interesting, and I'm not entirely sure about it, but it seems like meditation can be a way to channel that energy in your body and I don't know if meditation can heal your body physically, but I feel like it can definitely help for, you know, your mental processes, like, and especially if you want to be, like, introspective. And at least that's what I've heard. And I was wondering if you knew anything about the history of meditation. Um, I do, actually,
2: a bit at least. Meditation can be traced back to many different origins. But one of the best known is the Buddha's journey the Buddha or Siddhartha Gautama was born in Southeast Asia around 3,000 years ago. He believed that meditation could lead a person down a path of salvation. He himself became enlightened after meditating under the Bodhi tree in India.
3: I, I loved learning about him and his journey in history. And he definitely like revolutionized meditation in a sense. It's, I know meditation is, It comes from a lot of different cultures, but I'm really glad that it's still a very commonly used practice all over the world. It's been spread out and I just feel like it's important to just sit and really think in silence, especially because, you know, so much of our world is consumed by noise and media. So that's really important to just have some alone time.
2: I agree, it's important to be in tune with yourself and the world. Let yourself think your own thoughts without the influence of other
3: people. Yeah, and there's definitely different ways to do that. I know it might seem hard because it's always like we're like interacting with people. But yeah, we still feel kind of isolated sometimes. So one really productive way to channel all this energy inside you, I feel, in addition to meditation is yoga and It can really channel that energy in your body, and I know that in PE last year, and even though it was on Zoom, um, we would do yoga, and I've been trying to get more into it recently.
2: Yeah, yoga at school, it's one of the most fun things in PE, considering I don't really like PE, but how can more people get involved with yoga?
3: Well, there's a lot of different ways. I know there's like podcasts on Spotify, but personally, I like to use YouTube channels. I like having that kind of visual feeling that someone is like doing it with you. And there are these really great YouTubers. They'll basically um, guide you through the moves and they'll add some relaxing, you know, soothing music. So it's a very like very relaxed atmosphere. It's nice. And I feel like some good YouTube channels um, for, you know, yoga for beginners are Yoga with Adrienne, Faith Hunter, and The Yoga Room. I think they're really cool, especially if you just want to get started.
2: Oh, yeah, that's really cool. Um, And for me, I think another really great way to relax and soothe tense nerves is journaling. And um, there was this trend that took the internet by storm called Bujo, like bullet journaling. And you basically put all your creativity into a journal. And for me, I'm not the most artistic person around, so my drawings sometimes are just stick figures, but I think it's just a lot of bullet notes about what's going on in your daily life that's really colorful and you can actually get what you wanna say down on a page. But other than bullet journaling, I also really just enjoy writing stuff. Just take a pen or paper, just even in your laptop, I do that too, where I just type it down. For me, the sound of those keyboards clacking
3: is the most satisfying sound in the world. I agree. I also love the sound that felt makes on paper, like felt pens oh, it's yeah. like very it's like a s m r which is like um like when you have these like sounds that like satisfy your ears so that's like a s m r for me and yeah, journaling is like amazing I think. There's so many different ways you can do it. And I'm like you, I, I can't draw or anything like that. But I definitely like making it colorful, you know, like appealing to the eye. And one reason why I like to journal is, like, I like the idea of having something to come back to in the future. Like, you know, when I'm, like, 10 years from now, I would want to know what my head space was like when I was in high school, you know? Yeah, de- definitely. I think the problem with
2: me in journals is is that I get started on them and then it takes me a long time. I don't really continue them. So let's say I had a journal from when I was eight and then I go back to it and then I'm really surprised by the way I thought back
3: then versus now. Yeah, exactly. I think it's kind of like a time capsule. And another issue with journaling, especially if you like, consider yourself a writer, is that you always feel like someone's going to read it, even if it's just yourself. So it's like, I always have this pressure to make it, like, good quality, even though it really doesn't have to be. It can just be whatever you're feeling at the moment, but I always like to make it, like, sound fancy, and, you know, kind of pretentious, maybe. It's it's really hard,
2: because I always put, like, perfect grammar, use, like, vocabulary words and then um then I'm like reading it and then I realized that I spent so much time thinking about the vocabulary words and perfect grammar that I just like forgot to put it all in
3: yeah and it's very authentic to journal I I like just like we're talking like energy and healing I definitely think like if you're feeling like down or you know you're not feeling like yourself journaling is really a way that can pick yourself up obviously like it can't like solve like everything but it's really a way to get started because you really connect with yourself. And I think writing does that. Yeah, definitely. So I think that's
2: it for this segment. Make sure you stay tuned for our next segment where we'll be talking to Betsy Chase. We want to hear your thoughts and we want to answer your questions. So email us at btsya teenradio at the dot right gmail.com. That's btsya teenradio at the dot right gmail.com. Check out our radio site at www.expressyourselfteenradio.com and our creative community site at www.vtsya.com. You can get involved with the Be The Star You Are charity, buy books and t-shirts in our store, and sign up for our free newsletter and make a donation to the Be The Star You Are charity. Thank you. Thank you.
0: The star you are light up the flame that burns
4: Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support be the star you are 501c3 a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women families and youth visit be the are.org to make a tax- deductible donation today everyone counts donate today be thestaryouare.org be
1: the lucky star you
2: best-selling author and educator Betsy Chassie about energy healing her best-known work is Mm. as the co-writer director and producer of the hit film what the bleep do we know she also has a five-part documentary series exploring
3: today's topic called bliss up so let's get started Hi, Betsy. It's so nice to have you on. And to start us off, I was wondering if you could please tell us what your definition of energy healing is.
5: Wow. Thanks so much for having me. Um, So here's the funny thing about, quote, energy healing. Everything is energy. I don't know if you guys have gotten into sort of anything around how the reality works, how we make up reality, but we're all basically energy. And so the word energy healing or energy medicine" really is sort of a form of medical pra- medicine practice or healing practice that uses your body's energy to to work with your energy to heal your body. so most of us, especially when you're young and you're born we're all sort of this perfect energetic vibration, and we our body is working in harmony together as we get older or sometimes when you're young. Things happen to us either emotionally or in our environment that cause our body to get out of harmony. This is where the word disease comes from. It's actually dis-ease, out of harmony. And energy healing is the work that brings your body back into harmony because your body, believe it or not, can actually heal itself. Wow, that's
2: that's really cool. So, is there a I don't know a de- um? What does energy healing personally mean to
5: you? Okay, well let me tell you something first. Have you ever got a cut on your finger, like just a, like a cat scratch or something like that? Oh yes, multiple times. So yeah, right. So then, have you watched your body heal itself from that cat scratch, right? Yeah. Like it's somehow magically your skin gets back together, it heals, and it actually regenerates. You know how when your skin is healing from that cut, there's that super pink part? That's actually your body regenerating itself to heal itself. So that's a really good example for people who go, My body can't heal itself. Your body does it all the time. So, what does energy healing mean to me personally? You know, in this day and age where medical costs are really expensive. Everything is just so expensive. And so much of what Western medicine does is it focuses on the particular problem. So you might have like an ache in your arm, or you might have a stomach ache. So what medicine, Western medicine typically will do and go, why does your stomach hurt? Oh, it's, you know, you have a you've eaten too much food or you have acid reflux or something, what energy medicine typically will do is look at a more holistic approach. Why is that symptom that is happening, acid reflux, your arm hurts, whatever, headache, whatever the symptom is, why is that symptom occurring? So they want to understand that because when you fix the underlying cause of the problem, the symptom will go away. There's nothing bad about Western medicine, by the way, and most good energy healers work very closely with medical doctors because it, it, it's a kind of modality that works in tandem with the wonderful technology and science that we have today. But typically, when you go to a doctor, like you might go to your general practitioner, right? They kind of have this general idea of everything, but they're not specialists. If you have a specific type of issue, you're going to then be sent to a specialist, whereas an energy healer typically can work on the more holistic level of your whole body. Energy medicine is really over 3,000 years old. Think of Chinese medicine or Ayurvedic medicine. Those practices were around way before, quote, Western medicine was around, even plant medicine. And most of Western medicine is derived from the understanding of energy healing.
3: You know, this is really interesting, and it's making me think of, like, home remedies, especially that's been, like, passed exactly. down for a long time in my family. Like, when I'm sick, my mom, she'll give me turmeric and milk, no matter what I have. And I don't know exactly. if it's, like some kind of placebo, but it actually makes me feel better. And, yeah, it's very it's interesting exactly to think right. about, yeah, how our body can well, feel itself.
5: Well, we've its lost self. touch. Yeah, go ahead.
3: Yeah, I was, no, you go ahead. I wanted to finish
5: um hearing what you have to say we've lost touch we've lost touch with those home remedies that your mom is passing down and mm-hmm. and we're getting farther and farther it's a lot easier to take an advil or to take a Tums, right Than right. for mom to go in the kitchen and find the turmeric and find the milk and all those different things when i my kids were little I used to do a form of energy healing with them. So if they got stung by a bee or they got a scrape on their knee, the first thing that I would do with them was have them look me in the eye and say, what's the magic word? And they made up a silly word that whenever they were hurting physically, they would say the silly word and it would make them laugh. When you laugh, certain endorphins are released into your body and the pain instantly goes away. So that is a form of energy healing, right? This is basically, you know, a very rudimentary form, but it's the same thing. Your body is ready to help you. But it's a lot easier to slap a cream or an ointment. of course, then I would give them whatever. For me, bee stings, baking. I just did this with my daughter who's 18, like two days ago. Baking powder (laughs) and water slapped it right on the bee sting. you know? So when we learn these techniques, we help ourselves. And it's great that you're learning
3: them. Agreed. Yeah. And I think it's so important to have these remedies instead of going immediately with these medications that can be helpful, but can also, you know, not help at the same time. Um, What I was wondering is how does energy work its effect into many maladies?
5: Say that again?
3: How does energy work? How does it work, basically? Yeah. Mm
5: Mm-hmm. So that's a great question. Here's the funny thing. Science hasn't figured this part out yet. Most people, we see that it works. There's been thousands and thousands of studies done where a person has an issue, and we show some of these studies, and we actually meet people in my series who've had amazing, miraculous healing. For instance, there was a woman that was told that she needed a liver transplant, and she had to wait five months to get her liver transplant. So... There was nothing that the doctors could really do for her in that five months, but they were draining her lungs and trying to help her stay alive until she got the liver transplant. So she decided to do work with an energy healer and do energy work. So she did this for five months. At the end of the five months, she actually started to feel better. They, had, they, were, they didn't have to drain her lungs at all after a couple of months. She was actually getting better. But she went to the doctor and was getting prepared for her liver transplant and the doctor said, huh, your liver is fine. You don't need a new liver. Nobody could pinpoint exactly what it was. Science has a lot, scientists have a lot of theories. For instance, the earth has a frequency. It's called the Schumann resonance. That frequency is almost the same frequency, or if not the same frequency, as the frequency emitted by your heart. So we are completely connected into this frequency. Energy healers, actually a good one will tell you, they're not, quote, healing you. What they're doing is helping you and your body get into that coherence, that resonance, so the body can do what it's naturally designed to do. So has science figured out the mechanism? No. But we do think it has something to do with the frequency of the body, the frequency of the earth, and getting into that kind of coherent and allowing the body to do the work.
2: Wow, that's really cool. I think on. one analogy would be like electricity where you turn on a light and it goes on, but we don't know how it goes.
5: That's exactly right, so um... we haven't figured it out yet most mostly because science is a very materialistic perspective, right? Science wants to measure everything with the equipment that we have available, and there isn't a machine available yet who can measure that wavelength or that frequency and see it happen, but we know it okay. happens okay, so um going
2: back to the turmeric and milk and house remedies so i um you have teens yourself so what do you do when um your kids get sick do you implement home remedies
5: so i do mostly you know my kids have made it most of their life without antibiotics um and Typically, I will look you know there are certain ways in which once you learn about this as a as a person, you know I allow my kids to have a little bit of a fever it 's okay to have a fever. A fever is your body working to get rid of whatever is in it that it doesn't want now, of course, we don't want to get too bad of a fever, so it 's not to say that I haven't given my kids tylenol, but it 's a balance. There should be a balance in how often you participate in taking medications versus what can you learn about your body and, and what can you do on your own. And, and it's very important that we have this balance. You know, Reiki is, a, is most the most popular form of energy healing. It's now used in hospitals all around the world um, in conjunction with the medical procedures. Because one of the things that Reiki masters are capable of doing is putting the body in the right state to receive Healing, so of course I oftentimes will start with the home remedy, and if that isn't working, then I will go immediately to a doctor. And there are times when I know, oh, my daughter broke her arm when she was like nine. I didn't do a home remedy; I took her to the doctor. Right? So you have to have a balance. Yes. Yeah, and you have a lot
3: of knowledge about this subject, which is really cool. And how? Did you get into energy work or your interest in energy healing?
5: Gosh, you know, I just started making movies about the subject matter. You mentioned What the Bleep Do We Know? And, you know, I think my parents and my mom were already predispositioned to try to, you know, when I was growing up, even, you know, I was the youngest of six kids, going to the doctor and pills weren't as prevalent as they are today. Nutrition was very important. You know, we didn't eat as much processed food. So that was just something I think culturally and in my environment was already kind of predisposed in how I was raised. You know, I just literally tonight for dinner took basil from my garden, tomatoes from my garden, and grew most of the food that's in my dinner tonight. You know, I'm very lucky to have access to be able to do that, and so I tend to go that way as much as possible So that, you know, the food that you eat is the beginning of your health and wellness. So it's a more holistic approach to how I approach my body and my health. Wow. So um, you're the author of
2: multiple books like Killing Buddha, um, Tipping Sacred Cows, and many more. So. As you write these books, is there a common message you like to convey, or are they different for every book?
5: You know, they're always the common message. You know, really, I think that my goal in the work that I do is to share what we're talking about. Is if one person listens to this show today and says, gosh, you know, I'm going to try to grow a tomato plant. I'm going to try to eat healthier. I'm going to try to take less pharmaceuticals. That's my purpose in life, is to help people reconnect with their own innate abilities, not just our ability to heal, but our intuition and our ability to create the life that we want to create. The more people that can can reconnect to those abilities that are our human innate abilities, the happier the planet will be and hopefully the more, you know, not just us, but the planet will be happier and we can live a more conscious, loving, connected lifestyle.
3: I really love that perspective. And, you know, like you're right, if only more people had access to these fresh fruits and vegetables and access to maybe, you know, more energy, like natural energy healing processes, that would be so much better for everyone and for the planet. Um what I'm interested about really is your movies and there's so many and how did your journey as a filmmaker really start?
5: You know, it's funny. My birth was filmed for a documentary on natural childbirth. I was my birth was actually filmed and I've been in the entertainment business since I was 8. I've always loved making movies. I've always loved telling stories. And it wasn't till my very early, late 20s, early 30s that I became interested in this type of information, in spirituality and science and metaphysics and the convergence between the two. And I realized that I could combine two things that I love, which is my desire to help people live happy or healthy lives and my love of filmmaking.
3: That is so cool. And filmmaking is just an art of storytelling as well, which I'm really interested about. So do you have any advice for aspiring filmmakers?
5: Tell stories. So, you know, I used to teach students, film students, and just practice telling a story. One of my favorite storytellers is Joseph Campbell, who wrote The Power of Myth. Have you ever heard of The Hero's Journey, which is a formula that even big... If you've ever loved a movie then they're following what's called the hero's journey. And that is the best tool any storyteller could use to structure their story.
6: Mm,
3: Yes, exactly. I've seen the hero's journey in a lot of places in English class and like many different writing classes. Mm -hmm. So I love how you were able to combine these two passions and going back to your books, what would you say was the inspiration to write those? Because Movies and books, they are different processes. I feel like... Yeah. Also, I have another question in addition. Which one was harder? Was it harder to make those movies or write those
5: books? Okay, so first of all, it's harder to make a movie, and here's why. One, you need money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's a (laughs) big... That is a big thing. You need money to make a movie. Anyone can sit down and write a book and should just for the experience of it. Two, you know, movies are... much more of a collaborative process. Um, now, books are, because, you know, I work with an editor. I have a publisher. So there's collaboration within it. But it's, a movie is, you know, made typically by at least 50 to 100 people. There's just lots of people that touch that movie before it ends up on your screen or whatever screen you're looking at. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Even short films and smaller pieces you know, require co- a bigger sense of collaboration. Whereas a book, typically you're writing on your own. You can write at your own taste. You're on your own schedule. So that would be the two different, you know, differences between book writing and filmmaking. Storytelling is storytelling, whether you're writing in a book or you're writing in a movie. The, the, the hard part about doing a movie is you've got typically 90 minutes. Now everyone's doing doc series. So maybe they have five or six hours or you have a series that's got like, you know, like I'm super into stranger things right now. What are they on season four, season five, they have lots of seasons, but a book, you have a little bit more time to, to sort of develop a character. Whereas, you know, again, with a book, it's words and language with a film. It's show me, you know, you want a sh- visual, So they're they're different mediums, but at the end of the day, they're really doing the same thing. And for me, they're doing the same thing. Why did I decide to write a book? You know, ultimately I decided to write, take a break from filmmaking for a little while because I'm a single mom with two kids and I needed something that I could do, or I could also be present for my kids and writing was really the the way to go right then and there. And I love it.
2: Well, um, I like writing too. So, um, would you ever cons- um I think one of your um, movies, What the Bleep Do We Know? was inspired by a book that you wrote yourself.
5: No, other way around. Killing Buddha was inspired by my experience of making What the Bleep Do We Know. Wow, that's so.
2: Um, what tie? Ty- um, how would you? Tie in books and movies, and would you want to do that later on where you tie in a book you wrote with a
5: movie? Well, I think everything I mean, I always tell young writers to really write about what they love and what they know, um, or to you know, everything I always create comes from a place of curiosity. It's always a question that I'm really curious about. And so I go on a journey to answer that question. And then I either make a movie or I write a book or I do both. You know, really, you could do both. It's just whatever speaks to you creatively. You know, does it, do you want to tell the story visually with pictures and sound and music? Or do you want to paint a picture with words? Those are the two big questions you have to ask yourself. And you can do both. And a lot of people do both. A lot I mean, What the Bleep Do We Know had its own book, you know, the, discovering the endless possibilities of uh, creating your everyday reality, I think is what it's called. Yeah, it was a long time ago. So, um, so, you know, sometimes the movie bears the book and sometimes the book bears the movie. And they're never really the same. I don't know if you've ever read a book. And then watch the movie and go, uh, you know, my son and kids are always like, oh, I read that book and they didn't do it justice. Even with Harry Potter, you know, if you ever read Harry Potter and then you watch the movies, there's a lot of differences because there's limitations in film or, you know, you have to, and there's limitations in books. It's just a matter of where does your heart drive you to go first?
3: Exactly. And it's really fun if you're like able to be versatile and write you know both screenplays and books it's but um, from what I've done I've always loved writing scripts I always think they're super fun and I would love to work on like you know a short series one day it would be really cool and you're such an inspiration to so many people so thank you for coming on it was a magnificent and informative conversation make sure you check out her website e-e-t-s-y chasse.net thank you
5: thank you so much ladies have an awesome journey
0: be the star you are light up the flame it burns
6: Welcome back
3: to Express Yourself. I'm your host, Ruhani, and right now we will be talking to Hannah about her thoughts on today's topic energy and healing.
6: Hello, everyone. My name is Hannah Sahoda, and I'm the host for the Express Yourself radio show with my segment, Empowerment and Equality. Today we will be delving into the pseudoscience of energy healing, a holistic practice that has become increasingly popular in recent years in tandem with traditional medicinal practices. What exactly is energy healing? How does it work? Are these methods truly beneficial for one's health? Let's find out. Energy healing originated in the East, mainly in ancient India and China. In India, the spiritual traditions of energy healing have existed for over 5,000 years and been passed down from generation to generation. This healing relies on the universal energy prana, which is a universal energy thought to be the basic building block and source of all life, also known as the breath of life. Methods such as acupressure, chanting, energy massages, and the use of crystals were initially done in India. In ancient China, energy healing has existed for generations, dating back to 2000 to 3000 BC, when the concept of Qi was made. The Chinese believed that Qi was a life-giving energy very similar to prana which made up all matter from its two main components that you probably recognize yin and yang the idea the ideology behind this energy here healing detailed how yin and yang could be balanced to optimize physical health and provide more benefits to the human body's spiritual energy methods such as acupuncture and energy healing originated for this from this region these Eastern traditions eventually spread to the West, leading to a mixture of both medical and energy healing practices being used for patients and people suffering from symptoms. The main techniques used are Reiki energy healing, light therapy, acupuncture, reflexology, thigh massages, and tapping. According to STAT, energy healing is widely used by academic medical centers, including John Hopkins, Yale, the University of Pennsylvania and Spaulding Rehabilitation Hospital. Part of Partners Healthcare in Boston. PBS further shows how ingrained energy healing is in medical schools and faculties by detailing the specific wellness centers built for spiritual healing, homeopathy, and massages to ease pain and stress for their clientele. However, let me first describe each of these techniques used in energy healing as many individuals may not know what these procedures entail. Many of you may envision a dark room with candles lit up accompanied by a crystal ball and gems when the idea of energy healing is spoken about. However, these methods are a lot more complex and sophisticated. First, let's discuss Reiki energy healing. According to the International Center for Reiki Training, the word reiki is the Japanese word for universal life force energy, being a mixture of the words re and ki. To do this energy healing technique, one must have formal training to become a reiki master in order to properly perform reiki energy healing on patients. These masters use hand movements in order to guide reiki, which is also health, healthy life force energy, through the body channels to promote healing and alleviate negative symptoms. This can result in better sleep, improved mood, pain relief and relaxation. Through studies, it is even implied that when used as a supplemental and complementary therapy alongside mainstream medical care, Reiki energy healing can help surgical recovery, cancer symptoms and even the negative effects of HIV and AIDS on the body. Again, I must stress that these techniques are best used as a complementary therapy because trying to manage fatal diseases solely through these methods may cause more harm in the long run. Next up is light therapy, also known as phototherapy. Light therapy is a treatment involving exposure to an artificial light source and has become increasingly popular, especially for cosmetic purposes. Through trends on social media like TikTok and Instagram, light therapy can be seen in many forms. There are products that claim that light can alleviate pain from acne and hormonal scars. And there are teeth whiteners that utilize LEDs to claim that their product whitens their teeth faster. Personally, I've never used these products, so I cannot definitively claim that these products are effective. However, light therapy for actual medical symptoms and not cosmetic purposes is primarily used to treat MDD or major depressive disorder which is a type of depression that comes with the shift of seasonal patterns. As this depression mainly occurs during the shift from summer to winter, when there is less daylight and the temperature is colder, the light source acts as a sort of supplement for real light. The effects vary on the duration of use, wavelength, and individual's personal circadian rhythm patterns. But this can result in more stable hormones, better sleep schedules and less insomnia, and increased appetite for better eating habits. However, if done incorrectly, it does have some cons and can result in effects like headaches, eye strain, irritability, and blurry vision. So this form of therapy should be done professionally and with caution, as many of these methods should be performed. The next method of energy healing is known all over the world and is extremely popular According to the National Library of Medicine, more than 10 million acupuncture treatments are administered annually in the United States alone. Its rise in popularity, particularly in the West, can be attributed to part in its effectiveness for pain relief and in part to the fact that scientific studies have begun to prove its efficiency. Acupuncture is a technique where a licensed professional will insert very thin needles into the skin at pressure points in specific areas to alleviate pain and encourage relaxation. This technique is believed to balance the qi in the body through the different pathways, also known as meridians, which the ancient Chinese discovered 12 different pathways. And these pathways simultaneously stimulate nerves, muscles, and connective tissues to take pain and sniff- stiffness away from the body naturally. This technique has been proven to have several po- positive effects, but only if done right. If any of you consider acupuncture as a solution, please make sure that the practitioner is legitimate and licensed for your safety, especially since they will be inserting needles in you. Lastly, I will be discussing energy-saving that mainly deal with pressure, and stress, which are reflexology, Thai massages, and tapping massages. Reflexology applies pressure to the foot in order to stimulate the body systems and organs to encourage relaxation and healing to specific areas of the body. A Thai massage is similar, albeit more intense, as it entails using all parts of the body, mainly legs and feet, to massage a client to improve posture and motion in the body. Tapping is a treatment where the muscle will be stimulated through rapid taps and pulses to react into the soft tissues of the body, alleviating soreness. Each one of these methods is distinct, but has similar effects of improving the range of movement by reducing stiffness in joints, strengthening one's athletic performance, uh, contributing to injury rehabilitation and recovery, and overall, contributing to relaxation and stress reduction from pain relief and tough tissue. In short, energy healing is an accessible and viable method of relieving pain and improving mental health on its own, and is most effective when used as a complementary treatment to traditional conventional medicinal practices. Although it is regarded as pseudoscience, many more studies are being conducted on this topic in the medical field and more progress towards patient comfort and inclusivity is being made with each discovery. Now, energy healing is both popular in the East and West, and considered a professional career path. I believe that this has a lot of potential to be a good pain suppressant when mixed with concrete scientific methods. I hope you all learned something new today, and remember everyone, stay curious, stay empowered, and stay educated.
3: Thank you for all that information, Hannah. That was very informative. And I was um, really interested to learn about all these things. So actually, I have a question. Um, So do you have to be like spiritual to try energy healing? Because I never considered myself that, even though my name literally means spiritual.
6: Great question. At first, I had this question as well. A lot of the ideology behind these techniques is spiritual-based. But the physiological benefits and results of these treatments, such as from massage, acupuncture, and light therapy, are anatomically based rather than spiritually based. Uh, for example, an individual does not have to be spiritual to experience muscle relaxation from acupuncture, because the needles will do their job either way. I see. That's really interesting. And another thing I was
3: curious about is how you know widespread it's become. So you mentioned that like... Many hospitals and, like, these medical schools are using energy healing methods. So
6: to what extent are these methods used? Interestingly enough, more than 60 U.S. hospitals have adopted Reiki and other therapy methods as part of patient services, according to a UCLA study. And Reiki and acupuncture education is even offered at 800 hospitals. In fact, the Healing Touch Professional Association estimates that more than 30,000 nurses in US hospitals use touch practices every year. There are even specialized complementary and integrative medicine programs that are dedicated to studying and practicing energy healing methods for patient comfort and relief. I see. So
3: that is actually really interesting because I was thinking about like these home remedies and we were mentioning that in the last segment about how they can they're considered energy healing. So were there
6: any home remedies your mom used or your parents used when you were growing up? Home remedies, I would say we really use conventional medicine, but I would say like cha when you're sick or maybe like tea when you're sick. I, it's the only thing I can think of. We never really did massages in my household. I see, yeah. My mom, she used to give me like all she still does. Like when I'm sick, she'll give me like milk and
3: turmeric. I feel like that's also like a commonly used drink, you know, like a home remedy and yeah, tea definitely, like all different types of tea. And what are your thoughts on energy healing?
6: I'll admit at first I was very much a skeptic towards energy healing because I had never really heard of it before and me and my family only use traditional and conventional medicine to make sure I'm I we're healthy. However, after doing some research and discovering the scientific benefits of energy healing, when used as a complementary technique to official, conventional medicine, I think that energy healing has the potential to be a very good method to improve patient care regarding pain and stress with more research.
3: I totally agree. And actually, in our last segment, we were talking about how like it's not bad to use conventional method. We should always find a balance in the two. I think it's really important.
6: Yeah, I totally agree. Also, it's very inclusive because some people prefer to use both methods. They also use um, non-conventional medicine at home. And combining that with traditional medicine could be the best of both worlds for them.
3: Totally agree. And yeah, hopefully we can all find a balance in how we treat ourselves. It's really important. And I hope everyone enjoyed our show today. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today's show. As always, we express our gratitude to Star Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Empowerment crew, especially our audio engineer, Josh. Thank you to our guests from across the world, and a huge thank you to our listeners for making us a top-rated program. For more information about Be The Star You Are charity, visit www.bethestarur.org. And make sure you find us on Instagram at expressyourselfradio. Use energy for healing. And as always, remember to speak up, speak out, and express yourself.
0: Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit expressyourselfteenradio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. stars could shine between the lines. If you would let yourself go, find some place you know. Be the star you are. Light up the flames that burn. star you are, light up the flame, it burns.
4: Low literacy and poor communication skills have been identified in studies as major contributors to general conduct disorders, psychiatric disorders, criminal behavior, and adolescent suicide. To live and prosper in this society, we must be lifelong learners with access to knowledge and skills that can sustain our lives at work, at home, and in our communities. Be the Star You Are, 501C3 Charity, has been working to increase literacy and improve positive message programming since 1999. You can help by making a tax-deductible donation today. Visit www.BeTheStarYouAre.org Everybody counts. www.BeTheStarYouAre.org
1: Be the lucky star you